because this yeah. is where happiness and success was because that's what I was promised. So I completely sacrificed my, my entire creativity for the last 20 years. And then now for the last seven years, eight years, I've been really reclaiming, rediscovering my creativity. Hey there, welcome to Jam of Jen, Empowering Your Pivot. I'm an ex-corporate girl turned chiropractor who is on a mission to help others make their dream a reality. I'll be sharing real stories from people who have made that leap into living a life of success on their terms. Making the leap isn't always sunshine and rainbows, but it's about showing you that you too can have the freedom of life you desire. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of Gemma with Jen. Today I have on Rena Lang. Rena is a brain power and intuitive intelligence coach where she explores mental states and how to increase memory, focus, clarity, intellect, and intuition. After struggling for years with a bad case of brain fog, mind fatigue, procrastination, and short-term memory, Rena cracked the code to unleashing her intellectual ability. She is the creator of the Mind and Brain Supercharge program designed specifically to easily upgrade your mind and brain to cope with the 21st century demands and challenges. So welcome, Reina. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm so happy to be here. Good, good. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm excited to talk about the brain overall. Um, I think the message is we are going back and forth. So I'm a chiropractor. I love learning more about people who are figuring out ways to kind of brain hack or hack different ways for memory, focus, all of that. Um, so could you just share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Happy to do that. So I'm an achiever. I've always wanted to be the best, the smartest, and I fried my brain in the process a couple of times. I studied, I, you know, I was a consultant in the past. So I have like past life in consulting. So I'm an achiever. I achieved a lot of things. And at one point, a couple of years ago, I landed my dream job and I thought I was on top of the world. I was in my early thirties and I thought this is it now. Like, Success is inevitable. But then I started realizing, okay, something was happening to me. I was in constant brain fog. I used to go into client meetings and I would not remember what was discussed in those meetings. Sometimes I would go into those meetings with my phone and record conversations because it was that bad. So I wasn't sure what was happening to me. I was procrastinating a lot. I would need one hour of drinking coffee before I was ready to actually open my first, my very first email. Things were really, really getting bad for, for me. And, and needless to say, I did not quite succeed in my dream job. Actually, I was fired from that job. That's when I knew I needed to turn things around. And so I took one gap year. I left and I took all my money and spent all my money doing everything and anything possible. I went to India. I was doing yoga. I was doing meditations. I was playing around with all kinds of essential oils and, and, and such. And I really wanted to find back to myself and understand what was happening to me, to my brain, to my mind. And so it's, it's been a healing journey of several years. And eventually, eventually I realized, oh my God, not only I'm smarter than I ever was before, but actually I'm, I'm beginning to unleash potentials of my mind and my brain that I only read about before. It wasn't my reality. And I thought when, when we are born, this is what we get. If we weren't born geniuses, then this is as good as it gets. And we just didn't win the lottery. And that's all there is. And I think too many people are settling for that. They're settling that this is my reality. This is what I, you know, somehow inherited. 
there's nothing I can do. And most people still think, well, maybe if I eat that right food or do a little bit of exercise or maybe crack those Sudoku riddles and, and maybe learn speed reading or maybe learn another language. Guess what? They're very, very, very smart people on this planet, scientists, and still the brain breaks down. So there's mm-hmm. something else that is happening to us. Like in my case, I was just feeling that my head was stuck in a fishbowl all the time. And so I started working on myself energetically and, and, you know, decluttering that stress, that worry, because our brain is the most stressed organ in the body. If you go to the gym, you flex your muscles, the body hurts, give it a few days, you're going to be fine again. But the brain is a muscle that never gets to rest. The older we get, the worse it gets. That's why insomnia is such a chronic disease. So guess what? If you cannot sleep, if you cannot sleep, are you waking up already with a rigid with fresh brain. No, it just keeps accumulating, 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 and the brain starts breaking down 30 years before you actually realize it's too late now. So many people think, well, when I once I get to my 50s, that's when maybe I'll do something about it. Because then probably it's going to be a worry. But now I'm still too young. Well, I was 30, 31, and I had that issue. So it's it, you never know when it's going to hit you. And I think now more than ever, we need to start taking better care of our minds and brains. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I feel like even in the last two years, so many more people have switched into that like gas pedal side of life, like living on that sympathetic side of the nervous system. And they're just like, go, go, go. And that stress is just all building up on them. And that nervous system or your brain are just, that's your brain is holding all of that in too. For sure. And you might be surprised how many chronic ailments might just be alleviated if you actually rest your brain. All the nerves that converge in your brain. So in my case, when I started actually realizing a few years ago that, wow, my brain is just so stressed and doing, there are certain frequencies that you can do, certain techniques that you can do that relax the brain. And I literally, I would feel like my my wrinkles were were going away. My entire face was just relaxing. But then I would feel that, there, there were parts of my body, I could just feel that they, that they were relaxing too, and some pain was leaving that area. That's when I was realizing that if I'm constantly in a catatonic state, and that that's what we are, we are so stressed, our brain is just like, you know, like a hard rock inside of our minds. And we are mostly water as well, right? Which is programmable, programmable. If you constantly just bombarded with stress, not good enough, and you know, worry and what might happen, regrets and all that. Well, the brain at, at some point starts shutting down. If, and especially if you have gone through a couple of burnouts, don't mm-hmm. underestimate those burnouts. Yeah. So I like you had this awesome opportunity to take a full year off and really focus on yourself. What, like when you, when you knew you were going to take that year off, did you know, like, okay, I'm definitely going to do yoga meditation or how did, or did you just bombard yourself with like a bunch of different things all at once? Or how did you kind of get into that healing journey? To be honest, my healing journey was all about finding back to myself. I lived in Asia for almost seven years and I think I lost myself in the process because I was trying so hard to live up to expectation, to fit myself in a culture that I was never going to fit. And I kept sacrificing parts of me parts of me like I wasn't doing the thing I was doing I was constantly adapting because that was the survival mode at that time you know if you go to Rome you 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 do as the Romans do or something like that you know the same and so I just sacrificed so many parts of me 
that when I left, I, I didn't know if, if I like green or blue, pasta or pizza. I just mm-hmm. didn't know. So I just followed. I decided I have this money and I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. Whatever I feel like. If going to India, Rishikesh and doing one yoga teacher training is what I wanted, then I'll do that. If staying somewhere in a shram and eating healthy food is what I wanted, then I did that. Right? I traveled to Brazil as well. I tra- traveled to Nepal and Cuba and Mexico, you know, all those different places. Because I thought, well, if I die tomorrow, I want to live with a big bang and do all the things that I really enjoy. And in the process, ex- I was exploring my creativity. I was, I was just exploring myself and really just putting myself first. I was giving myself the food I wanted. I was taking the taxes I wanted. I was staying in the, in the hotels I wanted. And slowly just that really pulling myself back in because I was thinly spread, spread. I was so entangled in all those issues, problems, uh, work, colleagues, too many people around me and I'm an introvert. So I literally had to pull myself back in energetically and rebuild myself energetically. And since I was no longer worried anymore 24 seven and firefighting all the time, I was actually, I was able to give my brain the rest I needed. And one thing that I've done, probably the, the, uh, one of the most kind of like transformational things that I've done that year was actually doing Vipassana 10 days. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's basically a 10 day silent retreat where you don't look at anyone. You don't cross words with anybody. You just literally observe your mind. And when I did those 10 days, I realized how boring my mind was. It was just the same hundred things that I was thinking day in, day out. An obsessive thought about, I should have said that 10 years ago, you know, or I should have done that this way. It was just some resentments and angers and uh, unresolved conflicts uh, about the past that I was stuck in. Mm-hmm. And all those worries, what if that goes wrong? And what if my money, money runs out? And it's constantly this worry and stress. And I was realizing that most of us, we don't think. We think, we think. But actually, it's just some trapped emotion with some a little bit of thought smeared on, on top of it, which is not even an interesting thought. And so I realized, oh my God, it's just me constantly chewing on the same unresolved emotions, some anger, some resentments, and all that. It's not thinking. There was zero original thought in that. Nothing. There was nothing that I was thinking that would move the needle for this planet in any way, in any direction, except negative one. And so I started literally cleaning up because I knew certain energetic tools, certain visualizations, certain like releasings that I knew just kind of like shifting that, moving that energy out. And sometimes mm-hmm. it would be just one obsessive thought that I'd be going over and over and over for like five hours. That's when I knew that, that there was something underneath. And I don't want you to think now that I'm saying that emotions are bad, not at all. They are your helpers. They have the, your best and, and greatest in their minds. They just want to show you that there was some moment in some timeline of yours that where your boundaries were transpassed, you were injured, something was done to you that was not right. And it was just against what you truly believe should have, should have been done to you or with you or for you. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that injustice some, some way or another. The, what you were believing or what you wanted was just neglected by somebody else. Usually all our problems have something to do with other people. And so I realized well, if that has something to do with all those other people, then I can start moving out all those energies. I could, I could listen to them. Okay, what are you trying to tell me, really? 
what is it that's behind that emotion? When did it start? Some of it this started when we were children. A lot of it stopped in the first seven years. But I've, I'm still playing the same broken record in my 30s and it's still defining my life just because when I was two years old and, I, and I, this is my personal story and this little boy asked for my toy and threw it into this dirty, dirty water even though he told me he was not going to do it and I felt betrayed and I could never trust anybody again because for me the two-year-old me was it was such a traumatic experience it was the first time I've never forgiven someone and it was the first time my trust was broken wow and then you you define your life from that kind of like space but actually, if you just go back and you understand, well, he didn't know it better. Mm-hmm. He, he was just a child. And you actually disentangle all of that. You never have to think about it again. Once the golden nugget has been uncovered, once that emotion has had the chance to tell you what it wanted, you clear it out. That is why I highly recommend to my clients and just generally, uh, a few years ago, I came across the book called The Artist's Way where it's highly recommended that you start journaling and writing down uh, whatever th- those emotions that come up and give them yeah. a in, in your journaling. And you might be surprised. You might be chewing on that one thought for the whole day, or you can just sit down, try to understand, you know, the insights might flow, try to understand what's trying to tell you. And it might just be that aha moment that you need to get unstuck. So in those 10 days, when I came out, I, I felt the quietest I've ever been. And I've been journaling also for the last two years, really about anything and everything, all those little things that come up emotionally. And guess what? One of the side effects of that is actually an organized mind. When, you, when we talk about memories, and that's something that I think many, many people desire. Why, did, why weren't we born with us, that photographic memory? Why is our memory so bad and it's getting worse? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do all those, you know, a lot of them is like gamification, right? There's a lot of games out there now that you can play to help yourself. I don't have the time for it. But then I realized that just by actually clearing up my mind, I was able, it's like you're, you're in the room and there, there's a pile of clothes all around it, all everywhere. You just start picking up one after another, looking at it. Okay, this is what's all about. I put you on this shelf. This is what's about. I put you on this shelf. Because if you actually watch like documentaries or, or some or videos about people who have photographic memories or really incredible memories, their houses are perfectly organized. They have a very, very organized mind. So if you're thinking your mind is bad, no, probably just it's so intertwined, so, so entangled in your mind that you are not able to actually find that your path to the right information. So if you're thinking about what could be a good way for me to organize my mind without you know, doing anything extraordinary because most of us don't have the will to actually persist, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we're just too busy fighting and stress, fighting fires and stressing to actually just sit down and give those, take those five, 10 minutes and write it out you actually are clearing up mental space. What's the need for me to be processing some sort of injustice that happened to me 15 years ago? There's nothing to do with my reality these days, but it's still defining it. So why not just get rid of it, remove it? Do I need it? No, probably you don't. And it's in that organized and and clear mind that actually true original thought can start happening. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, I always hear the benefits and read the benefits of like the importance of journaling, but I think you've just made it a lot more clear um, because I'll journal for a little bit and then I'll stop 
or I'll forget. And then the next day I'll forget again. And so I don't have that like repetition always of doing it. Well, don't journal like you day. I went here, I went there. And yeah. I asked this person, no, it's actually taking note throughout the day when there was some emotion kind of like spike, right? Mm-hmm. When something happened that I felt triggered in some way. And in the beginning, like the first six months, I was just ranting. I was just ranting about everything and anything that was happening in my life, you know? And a lot of it, it was just literally just ranting, ranting, ranting. But after six months, actually, I realized that these days, few days can pass by without me writing anything because mm-hmm. I'm so balanced. There is nothing that really triggers me or nothing that really catches my attention that's worth actually, okay, let me dig deeper. Let me understand what, like something happened there and I want to know what happened exactly. Because most of the time, what you think is the problem is, it's not the real problem. Once you start digging, you might start connecting the dots and you're like, ah, I'm angry because da, 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 da. my coffee was too hot today. But now actually I'm angry because I didn't finish my tasks yesterday, whatever it is. Or maybe somebody didn't call. call. You are the most interesting book that you ever read. And it's almost like a treasure hunt. It's literally almost like a treasure hunt. Let me unwrap that candy, you know, that has anger written on. Let me unwrap that candy and see what's inside. Oh, that anger is actually, well, I no longer want to tolerate people who are late all the time. This is what's not working anymore for me. Mm -hmm. And it helps even define more and more who you are, what works for you, and what doesn't work for you. Because again, a lot of our mind space is actually so wrapped up in other people's realities that we forget to actually know ourselves. Yeah. When you were making this whole transition of taking that year off, did you have like a support system or any critics that were questioning like what you were doing with, with your life? Honestly, I was so burned out in such a bad place when I left. Of course, my parents were like, so we paid all this education. Now you're just taking one year off. And I'm like, I needed to survive. Mm -hmm. I wanted to survive. It was not an either or. It was that or this is it. Because I was in a really, really bad place at that time. And I knew there was no way with this mind and brain I was going to land another job. I was not going to land any other job. So it wasn't like even a possibility for me. I just knew I really needed to take a step back and find back to myself. It's almost like reset everything, reset mm-hmm. everything, reevaluate my life because I'm an achiever. People told me if I get that degree, I'm going to be happy. If I get that job, I'm going to be happy. Luckily, I never bought into that idea. If I buy that guy and get those children, buy that house, I'm going to be happy. So luckily, I was able to walk away and I paid all, all my debts and I was free to leave. But basically, I kept believing that if I do that, I'll be happy. If I do this, I'm going to be happy. And then I was achieved all that and was making good money and I was miserable most miserable than I ever was in my whole life so I had to really take a step back and analyze like was it being lied to all my life is this really it and that's why now I've been self-employed for the last four and a half years one of the backbones of my teachings is always live a life out of your beingness not out of your doingness Yes. Many people, they think I'm going to do this and do this and do this. And then I'm going to be something. 
I'm going to get that house. I'm going to marry. I'm going to get the job. And then I'll be happy. I'll be successful. If you, I, I, I like, you know, kind of like taking Italians as, a, as an example. There are such beers. Like I'm a happy uh, social, you know, social person. This is who I am. And out of that beingness, I go and meet my friends or I go and hang out or I go and live my life. So it's that kind of like this being and they enjoy the beingness. Maybe not now in this time, but usually I would, this is how I would imagine, you know, an average Italian person that they're quite, quite beers. They enjoy, they have good weather. They, they enjoy first and then they do something out of that joyfulness. We sacrifice everything that we are, all that gives, brings us joy. And I did that too. I was such a creative child and just really writing and being creative came naturally to me. But then I thought I was going to be successful. I was going to be happy. So to get there, I needed to study economic science. I couldn't do anything creative. I had to chase that, you know, carrot of going into banking and consulting and all that, because this is where happiness and success was, because that's what I was promised. So I completely sacrificed my, my entire creativity for the last 20 years. And then now for the last seven years, eight years, I've been really reclaiming, rediscovering my creativity. Because to me, like starting your day doing something that you so enjoy is really what sets you up for the entire day. If I can squeeze in one hour of just me, myself, and I time, for me, it's writing my children's book that I do. It just gives me so much joy, you know, being creative and creating those conversations. And I never know where the story goes because I feel like I'm inspired in my writing. So it's totally inspired writing. The energy is flowing. I have my, I stopped coffee one, one, one month ago. But I have coffee, you know, my bowl of fruit and everything's just set up. And, and, and it's just the biggest joy. When I woke up in the morning and I know this is what's, what's waiting for me, I wake up recharged, re-energized, like ready to do it. I look really, really forward to it. However, what do most people do? They get up. They start wasting the best energy, the best energy that you should be, because energy is everything, best energy that they should be wasted, that they should be spending on themselves. They spend it, spend it on cooking or doing chores or driving to work or whatever it is. And you're already pretty much dragging your feet from the moment you, act, you jump off the bed, which means you're already not excited about the day at all. You're just living from weekend to weekend. So I often recommend to my clients, why don't you get up one hour earlier and do whatever it is that you enjoy? Think back, what did you love doing as a child? Whatever it is, maybe it's journaling for an hour. Maybe it's doing yoga for an hour. But it's literally, I, I set an alarm so that it's one hour and then I stop. But mm -hmm. it's in that hour and I know the clock is ticking and nothing is gonna come into my space that's gonna divert me from this. So when I can squeeze that one hour in and playing with my creative energy, guess what? This, this energy, this, this creativity just keeps flowing as I'm working on my business. As I'm working on my business, I'm already in this kind of like state of mind where I'm receptive to new ideas, to new possibilities. Whatever I'm doing, I'm like, mm, I can do this, I can do that, which benefits my business. Which means that energy that you build up since the morning of you just being in your greatest joy, state of joy, you bring it into the rest of your day. So don't underestimate it. If you think, okay, one hour is too difficult. I cannot get up one, one hour earlier. Start with 15 minutes earlier. Set an alarm. Give yourself yeah. those 15 minutes. 
So I love that. What yeah. would be your biggest joy? <laughs> what was that? If you had, I'm, I'm not, I'm sure, I don't know what's your day like, how you start your day, but can you think of something that is your greatest joy that you could start doing? In the yeah. Beginning? So actually in the beginning of the year, I started this challenge and I have somehow found two hours in my day that I focus just on myself, whether it's reading or working out, like moving my body or breath work or meditation, like before the beginning of this year, like I don't, I was always like, I never have any time for things, but for some reason this year, I've been able to find two hours. So yes, I've been getting up like 30 minutes earlier, but that's not, I'm not getting two hours less of sleep. And honestly, I feel like my brain has been almost more supercharged that like, I have dedicated two hours a day to just me, like reading breath work, meditation, moving my body, like some form has always, it's just me time and it's not focused on anybody else. And that has really been helpful this year for me. Definitely. You know, as, as in the Bible, Jesus didn't say, um, you know, love others as yourself. First, love yourself. And many, many misunderstand it. And they have so many guilty feelings about nurturing themselves. And how am I supposed to find time? Well, you're finding time to be stressed all the time. So why not find some time to not be stressed, but actually just, yeah, just give your brain that time to just relax and engage in something that relaxes it more than anything because it's so stressed and that's why it's breaking down if you never get to rest it. And if, never, if it never gets a good sleep, then of course, I mean, it's, it's not going to serve you the way you, you want to serve. Um, yeah. you, you want to serve for you. So what if somebody only has say 15 minutes, say they have young children at home or anything like that, and they just have 15 minutes to dedicate to really focusing on like their brain health, what would, what would be like your top tips for them to do? So if I had just 15 minutes, this is what I would do. I would just lie down and there is, um, it's something that I was doing a lot when I was a consultant and I was usually doing it in a taxi. I would just visualize, you know, we have this chakra here, the Ajna chakra, which is the master chakra that is energized actually all the other chakras. It's, a, it's the chakra that we use for our thinking and such. So what you can do is just lie down and visualize that there are pink drops falling on this spot, like pink energetic drops. Pink is the color of love. And when I was doing it, I was realizing how my entire body was energized and relaxed. There is something about that beingness. And you said, again, set alarms. I, I'm a big believer in alarms that you, you, you don't have to worry. Oh my God, so has it been seven minutes? Has, has it been 14 minutes? How long? Just set an alarm so that you know for sure, 15 minutes, no interruptions, just that. Mm-hmm. And close your eyes. And just kind of like, if you cannot visualize, just, just have the intention, the awareness that some energy is entering your the space. And it actually re-energizes your entire body. And on top, it relaxes. I would literally feel like, oh my gosh, my, my eyebrows would be like <laughs> relaxing. This whole area would just like, oh, my face, you know, my face would be just relaxing again. And you might be surprised. It's, it's already a meditation, right? Mm. It's all, all, already a meditation. But it's also kind of like completely letting your body loose. Another thing that you can do while, as you're doing this is we are such sponges when, you, when it comes to um, absorbing energies. 
I think people these days, they are very aware that we get bad vibes from people, we get bad vibes from, from places. So I think many people are already very, very aware that there are certain energies that surround us. Guess what? You're like a sponge. Everywhere you go, you just keep absorbing this energy and it sits in your aura. Most of the problems you think you have, it's not even your problems. Just tune in into your body and see how much of the energy that is sitting in your energy field is actually yours. Don't question it, just give it a percentage. And then what you can do is, as you're, as you're visualizing this energy falling, falling on the spot, generate the feeling of free fall in your body. Remember when we were playing as children, you just let yourself fall, somebody catches you. And this moment of actually free falling and being completely relaxed and knowing that you're going to be caught, generate that feeling in your body as you do it. And then just have the awareness, the intent that whatever energies that are not yours, go back to the center. Whoever you picked it up, maybe sent to the universe, transformed into love and light, whatever you want to do. But basically, you let go of grasping that energy that is not yours. It has no business in being in your energy field in the first place. When you feel overwhelmed with a situation, chances are you're carrying energy that is not yours. When you let that go and actually only retain your energy, your worry, your portion of that, whatever negativity it is, it's easy to cope with it because life never gives you more than what you, what you can handle so give it a try just do that for 15 minutes keep doing that every day because every day we keep absorbing you can also start saying things like i release to take on what is not mine to start reprogramming yourself i don't have to take on energy that is not mine i don't have to take responsibility that is not mine i don't have to take on worry that is not mine so whenever you're doing this exercise you might even kind of like say it out loud I release to take on what is not mine. Yeah, I like that because I have talked to some people who feel weird about saying those like those sayings or those incantations. And I'm like, listen, you have to give yourself more than like a day or two days for you to actually make that shift in your mind or in your body. Um, and sometimes I'll recommend people put an alert on their phone, like on their calendar. So it pops up on their phone to read that message, to read like that saying, um, to release things. Because if you are, if you need this, you probably are living a pretty busy life and you might forget to remind yourself in the beginning to release that energy and not take on that energy. Yeah, not taking on other people's energy is really, really important because really a lot of the energy you're dealing with, and it's almost like autopilot, right? We have all people in our lives where we feel like we are we can deal with their issues better than they can. And so we start putting all those monkeys on our back, right? We start putting all those monkeys on our back. Let me save you. Let me sort out your life. Let me do it for you. For you. We do it a lot in our marriages, in our families with children and such, but actually we take away their possibilities, opportunity to learn how to do it. For us, it's easy because we already learn, but they never get to learn. So really giving them back the monkeys, advise them if we can, but, but that's the thing. We've been in, in conditioned, we, we've conditioned ourselves so much in, in doing that, that actually really, I release to take on what is not mine. And, and taking a note when when we are actually 
getting involved in other people's business where we have no, that's why we don't have time to deal with our own business because we're in too many businesses. And many people, don't get me wrong, many people are more than happy to give you their monkey and let you do it. So we need to get rid of those people. Or if we cannot get rid of them, then at least give them back their responsibility and, and learn to say no. Part mm-hmm. of self-nurture is really learning to say no. Yeah, I love that. How, how would you tell people or how do you recommend that people like improve their memory? So first off, um, what is memory? I mean, what is the brain and what is the mind that we, we've been talking about a lot? So the mind to me is an energy. It's an energy that surrounds all of us. And the, the brain is nothing but a tool that reads the energies that are floating around in our energy tank, if you want to call it this way. The energies have different qualities. We all have met people that just have better energy than others. Mm-hmm. And those with better energy, we just feel good about, around them. You know, there's just something about them. We just want to be next to them. And there are other people who are, huh, bad vibe, I, I, I probably go the other way. So there are different qualities to energy. So the energy is the consciousness itself, if you want to call it that way, is probably the best recording device that has ever been invented. And it's in all of us, but there are different quantities. There are different quantities of that consciousness in our bodies. We just assume, well, we all have a soul. No, actually you are the soul, that would be more correct. Yes, we're all the souls, but there is different quantities of, of consciousness, that soul energy in the body. Some people have bigger quantities of soul in the reincarnated soul, so called reincarnating in the body than others, which means we all have different radiancy. That is why some people like Dalai Lama, they have huge energy bodies. They can move masses, they can move countries, they can move the whole world. And there are other people that shine, don't shine very brightly. So actually, when you think about it, the issue is not the brain itself, but I would say it, the issue is the quality of the energy that you contain that is able to store information, which means that we need to upgrade somehow the energies that we that are used to store that information. For a long, long, long time, humanity as a whole was polarized in the emotional body. That is why the world is the way it is. We make decisions, choices out of out the emotional space, you know, out of the solar plexus, we get angry. And then we, we are like an elephant in a porcelain shop. We destroy everything. And then we're like, oh my God, how could I have done this? Right? We all have those friends. We just like, this is never going to go well. But they're like, I love him. I love him. He's the man of my dreams. <laughs> There's no way he's going to be give you a happy life. No, but I have to. So people make a lot, a lot of choices and decisions they think. And the will that they have is usually very, very, very emotional. Now, for the first time in who knows how many eons of times, actually humanity is being forced to polarize in the mind. The mental explosion that we had in the last hundred years is a proof of that. We just assume that people 500 years ago were just like us. No, we are very different breed energetically. And so what's happening is that all this emotional drama that's happening right now, social media and people's stress and overwhelm, it just forces you to clean up the emotional body and start using the mind. Actually, the mind, that's what the, the mental body, if you want to call it, is what you use to clean up the emotional body. This is when you start 
in mentally taking control of your life. It's no longer run by, I got angry and I said these things and then he said these things. No, I got angry and then I thought, if I say this thing, probably he's going to say that thing. Maybe I, I'm going to be nice. You start making choices. You're no longer controlled by your emotions. So basically, when you start using your mind more and more and cleaning up, certain additional energy starts coming in. That's why I didn't have anything to do, really. I didn't do speed reading courses. I didn't do any memory courses. And my memory is much better than it ever was. And I'm running my business and I'm dealing constantly with all kinds of people. And I have two phones. And it's not a big issue. I don't get stressed or overwhelmed because my mind is organized. Like what I was saying, organize your mind. First step would be really definitely one improvement memory, organize your mind, do some journaling, whatever it is, get rid of what no longer is serving you so that you can find the, the pathways that lead you to the right information. Second thing is definitely, of course, is you have to do some sort of meditation. But what is meditation? Meditation is prolonged awareness. It's focus and prolonged awareness, which means that when you actually are completely focused on just one task. That's why maybe time blocking is a good idea. Time blocking is a good idea. And another thing is like, I always say I have my list of to-do, my to-do lists. And, but actually it's not a to-do list. It's my idea list. It's not a to-do list that I have to do it. It's just that I have an idea and I write it down. This is what I want to get done for my business. What I do today, what I would do it in a, in a month, it doesn't bother me. I just know that I'm not in a state of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what did I forget? What did I forget? What did I forget? No, I just know it's just so automatic. Whenever I have a great idea, it goes there and I don't have to worry about it anymore. So I can focus on that one task. Many people don't realize that our brains and minds were designed for so much more and we bore it with slowness. For example, we are in this digital world now and with COVID times, everybody's sitting in front of a computer all the time, podcasts, replays, live events, all the time. So I, it, to me, for me, it's too slow, just listening to everything at normal speed. So I trained myself. I'm a big uh, lover of audiobooks. I trained myself to listen to my audiobooks at 2x, 2.5x. I, I double the speed all the time, which forces my mind to be so sharply focused on the content that's that I'm listening because I might miss something. A lot of it is fluff, anyway, anyways. A lot of it is just fluff, right? Not even important information. But because we are bored, it's slow for us. We keep deviating, we keep thinking about other things and then we forgot, what was he talking about? We, we zoomed out, right? But actually by speeding up the, the, the speed, you will realize your mind is forced to focus and have that prolonged awareness and attention on that one thing, which is meditation. There are plugins, uh, the one I use is called Speed Controller. It works on all the videos. Basically, once you install it in your Google Chrome, every single video that pops up on your screen, it always has this little bar on the video where you can start speeding up uh, content. And this is what I do. I don't have the time to watch a, a three hour replay. I have one yeah. hour, so I do that. And guess what? Another thing that I highly recommend if you really wanna kind of like sharpen your mind is whatever you do, as when you're listening to replays, whatever it is, stop pacing around, moving your body. Don't just sit, glued to the screen. It's not good, but uh, well, I mean, it's good and it's not good, but basically try pacing around, get good headset, right? Start pacing around and you might be surprised. 
that's why so many people get incredible ideas when they're showering because mm-hmm. you're actually physically moving your body, which means there is a portion of your consciousness that's freed up and is able to kind of like access certain ideas. This is the same here. When you are pacing around, A, you move your body, certain chakras get activated, the brain is more energized, literally it's more energized just by moving, but then because some portion of your brain is busy actually making sure you don't trip and fall, the other part of your brain goes live and is able to absorb and store better information. My recall of information when I'm pacing around, even though I'm listening to 3.5x, whatever it is, is so much better than if I'm just listening to it at normal speed and sitting in front of the computer. That's why I always advise people, don't listen to it, don't attend live events, just get the replay. Because yeah. live is like, I don't have two hours. I have one and a half hour, one hour, 20 minutes. <laughs> so I have to squeeze it in 20 minutes. That's awesome. When I was, when I was in chiropractic school, I would pace while I studied. So mm-hmm. I would read and walk like back and forth in my place. And I noticed that I retained so much more information by moving and reading at the same time. And I, it was like the only thing that really helped me retain all of that information. Perfect. It's exactly. Yeah. Um, there are some people. I learned this from my sister. The um, people that do ten thousand steps a day. If you can, try to start. You know, every phone tracks your steps these days. So just yeah. walk around, this around. Try to get not maybe ten thousand. Also, don't have time to do ten thousand, but at least five thousand. I, I almost every day I manage to get in, um, just because I'm pacing as I'm listening to whatever I'm, uh, events I'm attending, and I'm spending a lot of lot of hours a day literally attending events so if it's something that's really really important there is no recording then still i'm pacing around move your body because that movement activates certain energetic flows in your body which energizes the brain because that's what it's all, all we really are all about is keep energizing your brain so that the energized brain rejuvenated brain can serve you so much better and it's less likely that it will break down. People who are physically very, very active, they have usually, um, you know, higher chance of retaining their mental mental ability until later in life. Yeah, that's awesome. What, so tell me a little bit more about the this children's book that you're writing. Is it for fun, like creativity, or is it kind of helping children organize their brain too? That's a very good question. Actually, I would say that book is what saved me. Okay. And I started writing this book. It came to me like in June, 2014. I just woke up and the book was just there. And the idea was just there. And I never thought of writing any book. I was like a consultant, what, what are you talking about? It was just there and it was kind of like this nagging idea and I started writing it. But now it has all these different characters. It's, it's growing bigger and bigger. But actually, that book is almost like my original journaling before I started really journaling every day for for the last two years. Actually, it helped me in all those different characters play out all those different versions of me or all those different thoughts or behaviors that I was also exhibiting in my life that weren't very constructive, let's put it that way. You know, like areas where I wasn't quite honest or areas where I was maybe a bit selfish. And why was I that like that, you know? And I, I was literally creating all those, all those uh, person, you know, uh, people in, in my book. And there were all parts of me. And as I keep writing this book, and as those characters are evolving, I am evolving. 
and they were evolving. They are learning from their mistakes. But I was able to see, it's almost like, like separating myself and observing, okay, there was probably something that has happened to me at some point in my existence that made me the way that I am. But by writing it out, it really helped me uh, heal, heal many, many wounds and make different choices. I don't want to be that anymore because character building is, is um, often a neglected part of, of uh, how we live our lives. We, we think this is the way we are and we are not perfect. And that's the way it is. And by the way, being perfect is not um, why we, what we are doing here. Actually, I, I like saying this to my clients. It's like, remember that you are amazing. Like you are amazing and this is who you are and there's nothing you need to do to be amazing. You were born this way, you're this miracle and you breathe. Isn't this amazing that you breathe? Isn't this amazing that I'm here at this point of, of, of time and you and I are having this conversation. Isn't it amazing? Like really living your life from this place of amazingness. But most of us, we're like, we were amazing but then somebody told us we have to be perfect. Okay, to be perfect, we need to do something, right? We need to give up that what we are, which we are. We have to do something to be perfect. But then who decides that we are perfect? Or other people decide that we are perfect. So we start defining ourselves based on what we do. And then I did this. Is that perfect? You know how at school, and that's why this book is really such a healing, healing process for me. Because at school, I was such an achiever. And I always tried to be perfect and give up to the expectations of teachers, parents, and whatnot. And here's my paper. Now tell me, is it, is it perfect? And then sometimes it's perfect, and sometimes they just completely don't like it. But mm-hmm. I didn't decide whether this was amazing and perfect. Somebody else decided, and then if they said it was good, then I felt good. If they said this was bad, then I decided this was bad. And this is how we are. We are constantly trying to be, be something, and somebody is always judging us. There's always the judge somewhere, whatever we do. And that's, I think, the thing. When you're doing to become, there's always that judge somewhere out there that is judging your doing and then decides whether you became now that which you wanted to become in the first place. But then that's why many people, they're successful actors, they make a lot of money, and they're the most miserable they've ever been because they bought into that idea. If I'm that perfect, that great, and I achieve, I'm on top of the mountain, I'm going to be happy now. I'm going to be happy. Now I'm going to be this. That's why going back to that, I'm amazing. And everything I do is just amazing. Like I'm amazing. Like the shirt is amazing. My hair is amazing. You know, I, I don't care. You know, nobody gets to define me anymore. And that's what that book was, was about. My, my Instagram is called Being a Smart Rebel. And it's all about that. You know, it's yes, we're all smart in our own way. What's your unique brand of intelligence? Find it out. But then rebel part, it's not me rebelling against people. The enemy is already within. Mm-hmm. All those judges, I let them already in. They're already in my space. They're already running my show. I give them all my power. And it's, again, it's about rebelling against what is no longer working for me. And so this book, as I'm writing it, I'm like, it's pure joy because I don't care what people are going to say about this. I don't care whether it's good, it's bad. All I care is just, I'm so amazing when I'm writing it. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any good books or podcasts that you recommend for readers or listeners? So one, yes, of course. So one book that I keep recommending to everyone, and I 
always every February, which I, mean, I need to do now, I listen to, it's called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Yes. To me, yeah, to me, yeah. I think every business owner, every entrepreneur, it's a must read. And I would recommend you read it once a year because to me, this, is, this was kind of like the missing piece is to surrender and believe that I'm in the perfect place, doing the most perfect thing, and I'm just perfect the way I am. And trusting that if the, because we are suffer because we are fighting the reality, we, right? We, we fight what is. And to me, surrendering is like, it is what it is. The day has 24 hours. It is what it is. I'm not going to get everything done today. It is what it is. When I'm most stressed, when I used to be most stressed in the past, it's just, it is what it is. What can I do now? No point in stressing. It is what it is. I'm not fighting the reality. And I, I know that it's still going to lead me the, to the most perfect place, to the most perfect opportunity, no matter what I do. In fact, the more I surrender, the bigger, better opportunities come my way. But the more I'm hustling and stressing and worrying, what kind of energy are you putting out there? Probably not, not an energy that anybody wants to, you know, kind of be around. Yeah. I, I also love that book. And you're reminding me to go back and re-listen to it because it's been probably a year or two years since I've I've gone through that book. Yes. And another book that uh, the two books that I read, like when before I left, actually, that's what motivated me to go to Nepal and stay in Buddhist temples as well. Uh, a book that is called The Book of Joy. It's a conversation between Dalai Lama and, uh, and Desmond Tutu. And I, I didn't know much about Buddhism before I read the book, but that book gave me so much joy, so much hope. I think it's one of those books that gave me a lot, a lot of hope. And that's why I chose to go to Nepal. So it really definitely inspired me to kind of like explore Buddhism because they do have, Buddhism is such a mental religion. Well, usually they don't say it's a religion, but it's more like, I don't know how to call it, they don't like calling themselves religion. But basically I think if you explore Buddhism, there are so many incredible tools that they, you can pick up that really gonna set or, or take your mind and your brain to the next level. They've been thinking about the mind and the, and the consciousness and the brain and all that for eons of time. So they know a lot about that. So actually learning some tools there, you don't have to become a Buddhist, nobody's ex- expecting you to do that, but just adopting certain tools. Like for instance, one tool that I adopted is detachment. Detaching, really detaching and let things be as they are. And few months after I went to Nepal, I was in Mexico and my bag got stolen. Like everything I had was in that bag. It got stolen and I had a choice. I'm like, okay, you have a choice. It is what it is. Are you going to suffer now for the next whatever days because injustices and people stole it from you? Or you're going to just let it go. And I sat down and I said goodbye to all my clothes and I said, okay, so that you don't have that karma. I give it to you. It seems like you need more than I. Whoever is going to get these things may enjoy them. And I went and bought new clothes. And that's it. I had a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think this certain, certain ideas that I picked up uh, from Buddhists really helped me uh, detach. I'm, and many confuse detachment with like emotionless. No, I still have emotions and I still care. But I don't let myself be stuck in that emotion of suffering for a long, long time. It is what it is. What can I do? Like there is no way for me to yeah. change the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Where can the audience find you on social media or um, 
like where can they connect with you? Sure. So I can be found definitely on LinkedIn, Rina Lang, and also on Facebook, um, Rina Lang. I also have a Facebook community, which is called 10X uh, Brain Power and Intuitive Intelligence. And you can also email me anytime you'd like. Um, it's rinalang.coach at gmail.com. And I do also run, I do coaching around this, but I also run programs, 10-week programs. So if this is something that's interesting to you, where I teach all the best of the best tools that I've collected over the last seven years, and that really helped me to unlock my, my, my brain, my mind, my creativity, my intuition, all those good things that, um, that we need in this century. Because really, we cannot think that we can cope with the challenges of the 21st century still with the 20th century brain and mind. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about um, waking up. And another book, perhaps, that I would want to recommend here, this is really what made me finally step into this niche and coach around. It's called Stealing Fire. Stealing Fire is really a book where you will realize the game has changed. It's about all those Silicon Valley leaders and CTOs and CIOs in the military and how this is the next frontier, how they're investing so much money in doing everything and everything, you know, ayahuasca and sensory deprivation tanks and brain hacks and technology and everything just to unleash and unlock their, their intuitive potential, their intelligence, the good to burning man's and doing all kinds of interesting things just to access more, which means that if you want to remain relevant, then you probably need to start looking into this area because the game has changed. And if you want to keep up, if you want to keep up, this is a game that is played within. It is played within. So it's not something you can just outsource, pay someone money to do it. It's your own inner transformation. And there are so many things out there. So read that book and it might open your eyes just to what is truly happening in this world now. Perfect. That is, that's amazing. I will, I love this conversation so much. I will link all of your ways to connect with you in the show notes too. So people can jump onto either like your Facebook group, Instagram, connect with you on LinkedIn, um, or reach out to you through your email. But I appreciate you so much, Rina. This was amazing. There was so much great content in all of this. Perfect. I'm happy you liked it. Thank you so much for jumping on and listening to another episode of Jam with Jen. To connect with me more, head over to Instagram at Dr. Jen Forstner. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day.